Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Um, I, uh, I want to talk to you tonight actually on the subject of vision. What is vision? We talk about vision or oh, vision Sunday, vision this, vision. What is vision? Everyone went dead quiet. It's like in school. Don't pick me. Don't pick me. No. Everyone's going, he's looking at me. No, he's looking at you. He might come and ask you. I might come and ask you. No. What is, what is vision? Vision is the ability to see, right? Why is it so important? Well, because if you can't see, then you find yourself stumbling around in the darkness. And and. I've been in church for a really long time and I've seen way too many people stumbling around in the darkness. The problem with not being able to see is you don't know where you're going. You don't know where you've been and you don't know where you are because you can't see. So smart people, they say, learn from their mistakes or they actually say smarter people learn from other people's mistakes. But it's impossible to learn from mistakes that you can't see because you're still in the dark. It's impossible to figure out how to move forward in the things of God in your life in any area if you don't know where you are. The most important thing about the map at Westfield is the you are here dot, right? Because without the you are here dot, you don't know where you're going. Now, if you have your eyes closed when you look at that map, you are heck out of luck right then. The map in all of its glory is not helping you one bit because you can't see. So if I can't see, I have no concept of how to get from where I am to where I'm going. There's a couple of different kinds of vision. See, I can have a vision for my own life and I can push forward trying to achieve the goals and the things that I've set for myself. The problem is if if it's not overlaid with something designed by my Creator... There, there might be a discrepancy there. I might find that the things I... How many of you have ever watched auditions in American Idol? Anyone? That little snicker across the room told me that everybody knows exactly what I'm talking about. It's my calling. I was made to sing. The judges have no idea. No, actually, they've got a fairly good idea. And they get up there and they belt out this tune and, like, forget in the wrong key. It's in the wrong country. Right? These people could not hold a tune in a bucket if you handed it to them. But they're called to be the next Mariah Carey. Good luck with that. (laughs) Who told you you could sing, man? My family love me. No, they hate you. But they're just too embarrassed to tell you. Mums and dads, please be honest with your children. If they can't sing... Tell them to pursue another avenue of passion. Because if you keep encouraging them, we will all be laughing at them on the auditions for the next episode of The Voice. And nobody wants that for their children, okay? You're setting them up for disappointment because the, 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 the vision that you have for your own life in some way is out of whack with the vision that Creator had for your life. And there's this endless search for significance in all of us trying to find the spot where we feel like we belong, where we feel like we fit. I can tell you it doesn't happen until you get vision. 
And not a vision based on, you know, one day I'd like to drive a Ferrari. But the kind of vision that has eternal significance, the kind of vision that resonates somewhere deep down in here that says, you know, I was born for this moment. That's the only place to find fulfillment. That's where we need to try and position ourselves. You know, the Bible says this incredible verse. I've got little notepad thingies in my Bible so I can find stuff. It's really cool. In, uh, in Proverbs 29, it says, Where there is no vision, people perish. They wander about in the dark looking for something to eat, looking for something to drink, looking to so- for something to sustain them, and they die because there's no vision. And as I was seeking God for Summerfest and really sort of locked myself away, I had a bit of a flow on actually for Summerfest. I had to preach three times at Summerfest and I'm like, God, I just want to lock myself away. And I was praying and I locked myself away for these three days just with my notepad. And I got nine messages. That never happens. And I'm like, this is crazy. But then it was really confusing. Which one do I preach? I don't know. I had to get a vision for what was happening. And uh, this was one that just resonated with me uh, that it was so important for a generation to get hold of a vision. Because the problem is, if you've got no vision, um, then you make mistakes, right? Because if, if I have a vision to head from here to the back of the room, but I close my eyes and spin around a couple of times, I may very well head off in that direction. That's never going to get me to the back of the room. That's just going to smack me into the side of the auditorium. And the problem is lack of vision. Yeah? And, and what I really am passionate about, not just for the young people, but it's never too late to get a vision. It's never too late to get a hold of something in God that, that would take you to, to a place in your life where you could feel fulfilled. I hope we don't have a use-by date. I hope that it's not just about the 15-year-olds and then once you finish high school, God's finished with you. I don't believe that. I, 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 am, I am passionate about, you know, I look at guys like Abraham who went through his whole life and he's 100 years old and he has a kid and, and then God starts speaking to him again. I want you to do this. I want you to do that. And he never stopped listening to the voice of God. He never, he never let it stagnate and get stale. He was constantly in the pursuit of God for a vision. What's the next thing? Older person, we need you as younger people. And I'm putting myself in that category because I'm flattering myself. We need you as younger people to show us what it's like to be retired and still find purpose, to show us what it's like to go into your Monday church opportunity and still have divine purpose in the things that you're doing. We need you to show us a way. So you need to get a vision for your life. It's, it's time to turn off the default. It's time to stop doing what you've always done just because that's what you've always done and get a vision for your future, for God's preferred future for your life. God has a plan. We, we love that Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you. I know I have the plans I have for myself too, God. I can promise you, here's a better. All the men in the building, have you ever built Ikea furniture? Ladies, have you had to build Ikea furniture because your men failed at it horribly? Yep. Yep. The trick with Ikea furniture is to actually look at the instructions. And the instructions were written by the people who designed it. Fairly good picture there for us that we fumble around in the dark trying to assemble the IKEA furniture that is our life. And then you end up with all your spare pieces going, what the heck's going on with this? I can make another coffee table out of what I got left over. Why can't I find fulfillment in my life? Read the damn instructions. 
Consult the person who designed the item that you're trying to use about how it should properly be used and you will find an incredible sense of fulfilment and joy when you embrace the master's purpose for your life. It was pretty good, wasn't it? I like having you here. That's preaching juice right there. Excellent. So I want to talk to you tonight about how to get a vision. Because it's all well and good for me to stand up here and poke holes in the fact that you don't have a vision. It's like teasing someone who can't see. That's awful. I'm over here. No, I'm over here. It's like the never-ending game of Marco Polo. Marco Polo. Run over here. I, I believe that God tonight wants to equip you with some keys. Some things that you can do to come after vision. To get a vision for your life. And, and understand a vision for your life doesn't need to look like, I'm just going to win the whole nation of China. It might look like that, and that's awesome. But a vision for your life might simply be, I want to see restoration in my family. How do I do that, God? Give me a plan. Give me a strategy. Help me to see the opportunities. How many times do we walk past opportunities? How many conversations that God sets up that we don't go there because we're a bit embarrassed? or a bit... All that stuff is overcome when you get a vision. God has a plan. And I want to show you how to find it. I'm going to tell you a story from the Bible. If you've got your Bible, could you turn with me to the book of Mark? In chapter 10, verse 46. It's a story of a man called Bartimaeus. I don't know about your Bible, but my Bible calls him Blind Bartimaeus. Everyone know who I'm talking about? Blind Bartimaeus, right? Wrong. Bartimaeus is not blind anymore. The first thing about a vision is when you actually get a vision, all the labels that people try to put on you tend to fall away and become a little bit irrelevant. We, we love to keep people confined to who they were, but when we encounter Jesus and get a vision, who you were is not who you are anymore. And a guy who was defined by his blindness, now he's just Bart. We all refer to him 2,000 years later as blind Bartimaeus. Why? Because we like, we're comfortable with people in their brokenness as to where they were. It's a little bit scary if people get free. You, you'll see that in the Pharisees. If you read the Bible, when people got changed, the Pharisees got all insecure, started to flip out and freak out because we like people with their labels because then everything's boxed and nice and neat and I know where everything stands. But it's a little scary when God starts setting people free and stuff. Start, and people that I never thought had it in them start doing things that they never could do before. And all of a sudden, we've got Jordan up here worship hosting and I didn't know she could do that. And, and all this kind of stuff happening and people up here worship leading just because they encountered Jesus and they got a vision and all of a sudden, everything you thought about them was wrong because there's more to them than you thought was there. And blind Bartimaeus is not blind anymore. He's just Bartimaeus. It's exciting. The Bible is exciting. If you're not excited, then you need Jesus. And we'll deal with that in a minute. Then Jesus reached Jericho. And as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him and a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him, but he only shouted louder, Son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, Tell him to come here. So they called to the blind man, Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. 
And Jesus said to him, go for your faith has healed you. Instantly, the man could see and he followed Jesus down the road. Just sit on that for a minute. We read the Bible and we like these lovely stories. That's a, that's a person's life that was just completely transformed and revolutionized by about four words, five words out of the mouth of Jesus. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's why I read the Bible when I preach. Because it doesn't take but five words, and it can change your life forever. So we're going to look at this story. We're going to pull out some keys for us. I'm going to invite you to respond to the word. We're going to pray for a few people, and then we're done. Is that cool? Awesome. God, I just pray tonight that as we come around your word, that you would open our hearts to receive revelation and truth. That your word would go in like a two-edged sword, sharply dividing, God, bringing truth and revelation and reality into our world and life and giving us stuff that we can use tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that, equipping us for life. God, we pray that as a result of what happens in this house tonight, this church would be bigger, badder, on fire for you, church. In Jesus' name, amen. Here we go. They reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left a large town, a large crowd followed him, and a blind beggar named Bartimaeus was sitting beside the road. Here's the first thing, right? Here's Bartimaeus. And he has chosen to position himself, number one, outside the city. That to me is an interesting place. Why would you position yourself outside the city? Why wouldn't you go to the marketplace where people are there to buy their groceries and you know they've got money? Maybe, maybe there was a hunger in Bartimaeus for more than just money. He, he didn't ask Jesus for money, unlike the man at the gate, beautiful. He had no interest in money. He had camped himself outside the city. Now, I can imagine that it, it looks a little something like this. Back in the day, if you were blind, that was it. There was no Fred Hollows Foundation to come and restore your sight. If you were blind, that was your lot in life. This is where you're staying. And all of a sudden, the rumors start to spread amongst the people of the cities that there's this guy called Jesus who's got this crew and they walk from city to city and everywhere he goes, crazy stuff happens. People get set free. People get demons cast. Dead people raised from the dead. Crazy stuff. And Bartimaeus thinks, there's hope. So rather than go and sit at the market and beg, I'm going to go sit outside the city and wait. Because maybe, just maybe, he'll walk past one day. And if he walks past one day, I might get more than just money. The first thing you've got to do if you want to get a vision is learn how to position yourself. Why do I come to church every Sunday? Because there's a lot of people with vision in this place. Here's the thing about people with no vision. People with no vision, like Bartimaeus, are forced to beg from people who have vision. So I come into this place for the crumbs off the table of the people who got vision until I found a vision of my own. I chose to, I could have stayed, you know, it's safer to stay home if you can't see what's going on. You know how it goes? You've got to get out your front door and feel your way down the street, tripping over things, people bumping into you getting turned about, not knowing which way is forward. And you've got to get all the way from your house to outside the city. Can you imagine how many things can go wrong on that journey when you can't see? 
And yet there was a desperation in this man who had decided, you know what, the position for me is to be in God's way. I want to encourage you tonight, position yourself in God's way. Put yourself in a place where maybe, just maybe, Jesus' presence is passing by. And I don't know if you know what that looks like, but I can tell you that it's more than likely going to happen in his house. Because even though the temple was corrupt in the old day, Jesus still made a point of going there every day. That's why I go to church. Because Jesus is there. Yes, he's at home with me, but I know every day without a doubt he's going to visit his temple. That's what he does. It's always been his habit. And here we have this man who has positioned himself in a place where he gives himself a chance. It's easier to stay home. It's easier to have people bring you stuff. Play the sympathy card. Play the I can't do this for myself card. But here's a man who got sick and tired of all that and decided, you know what? Living off other people's vision is not enough for me. I I need to get some vision of my own. I want to encourage you tonight, church. Let's be people who are on board with the vision of the church, but let's be people who have a vision for our own lives. That our, 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 our relationship with God is not driven by a message on Sunday, but it's driven by a vision that goes beyond that. That, that our calling is not fulfilled within the four walls of the two hours of a meeting, but the calling of God in our life is a vision that drives us in Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. It, it's bigger than that. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus was by, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet. Many of the people yelled at him, but he only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and he said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up. They said, come, he's calling you. First point that I'd like to make here is Bartimaeus was persistent. I need you to understand you've got to position yourself, but that doesn't mean it's just going to happen. You're going to have to be persistent. And sometimes you're going to have to be persistent in the face of people who should know better. Who are going to tell you to be quiet. Here's how fickle the crowd is, right? Here's how fickle the crowd is. The crowd is like, shh, shh, stop yelling. You're disturbing Jesus. Don't be so passionate about what you're preaching because it's messing with my head. Just calm down. Stop yelling at me. Three people thinking that right now. There's people who will want to shut you up. And it takes a level of persistence. It takes a level of, of boldness to continue to yell even louder. If you tell me to be quiet, I'm just going to yell louder. That's just what's going to happen. Understand how fickle the crowd is. One minute, it's shut up. You're disturbing Jesus. Two verses later, oh, he's calling you. Go see him. You're going to have a wonderful moment in the presence of Jesus. Let me help you. That's the crowd. If you're going to allow the vision and direction of your life to be dictated to by the crowd, prepare to be flipping and flopping for the rest of your life. There has to be something deeper than that that drives you. I'm sorry, but the call of God is not negotiable based on your opinion of me. The thing that keeps me up at night, the last thought before I go to bed, the first thought in the morning, I'm sorry, that's not up for your opinion. Because I know how fickle the crowd is. And one minute they're my greatest fan. And the next minute they're my worst enemy. And if I'm going to choose to live a life like that, I'm going to be all over the place. I refuse to live the call of God on my life like that. I'm going to live with a sense of boldness, a sense of conviction. 
a sense of knowing that I know. There's a sense of desperation in Bartimaeus there. Now you're blind and there's one shot that you can see. I don't care what you say. I'm there. We, we need to get a vision that's so much bigger than us that we're willing to take some risks. Live in a place where I don't care what you think of me. You might think I'm a crazy fanatic and that's okay. But there's a chance that the thing that God put in my heart could be a reality that is way more exciting than whether you think I'm cool or not. If you saw what I saw in my mind's eye and the possibilities of what God could do through my life, you'd understand. You don't, and that's cool. But don't blame me when I don't listen to you. Because <laughs> I can't allow this thing to be dictated to by the cries of a crowd that will flip-flop on me like a fish. It's got to be more than that. It's got to be driven by more than that. It's got to have more potency and more potential than that. It, it can't stay in that place, yeah? All right, now I've got to try and work out how to get back home. <sighs> Look at that. I'm an athlete. <sighs> Yeah, I'm going to need a massage. <laughs> Whew. Here's a little thought for you. Here's a little thought for you, right? How many of you have ever heard of a move of God? It's a very spiritual talk, isn't it? What we want is just what a move of God. I just want God to move in the place. Has anyone ever heard of a move of God? You know, the Toronto blessing. Let's roll on the floor and bark like a dog. Just anointed, apparently. I actually don't want a move of God. Went real quiet. It's a controversial thing to say. But see, in Genesis it says, and the earth was without form and it was void and the Holy Spirit hovered above. It gives me the impression as I read the Bible that God is always moving. He is always doing something. So, so having God, a move of God is not that surprising. What I love is that Jesus stopped. I don't want to move of God. I want to arrest the attention of heaven to the point where he stops where I'm at. I, I, don't, I, don't want, I don't want a visitation as he's doing the rounds. I want a habitation as he sets up house and says, there's something about your passion. There's something about the fact that you wouldn't be shut up. There's something about your desperation. There's something about your position that actually has arrested my attention. And I can't just walk by. I have to get involved. Uh, could, could we be the kind of church that doesn't have a move of God? Not a visitation, but a habitation. The kind of God encounter where we arrest His attention with our passion. And He says, you know what? I, I, can't, I can't pass this by. Bring Him to me. Bring the broken people to There's such passion in this man. There is such persistence in this man that he will not be shut up that I have to stop and check out what's going on here. I, I want to live that kind of life. I want my life to scream. So Jesus comes running. What's wrong? I, I want him to come running and stop at my place. Like Zacchaeus said, hey, I'm coming to your place. I don't want a visitation. I don't want God to move. I want God to stay. You've got to get some passion about it. You know, we just, oh, just got to get some passion about you. We're preaching the word. We should be excited tonight. This is exciting stuff. Got to get some passion about us, yeah? It's position. 
It's persistence. It's passion. I wasn't supposed to all start with P, but what are you going to do? It's genetic, I think. So they called to the blind man, cheer up, come on, he's calling you, fickle people. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up and came to Jesus. Two things I want you to understand from that verse. Firstly, if you're a beggar, you wore a beggar's cloak. If you're a rabbi, you wore a rabbi's coat. What you wore defined who you were. It's part of your identity. It's part of who you are. And at one word from Jesus, Bartimaeus jumps up and throws off his cloak. How many of us, for the sake of a vision, would be willing to cast aside, cast aside identity? We'll be willing to cast aside everything we've always known, who I've always been, what it's always looked like. But God's always done it this way. God's always said it that way. It's always been like this. And yet Bartimaeus, in a moment of faith, in a moment of breakthrough, throws aside his coat and said, what used to be doesn't matter anymore. What is to be is the most important thing to me right now. I think Jesus is sick of religion in church, if I'm honest. I think we get precious about the method and loose with the message. And the truth is we should be precious about the message. And the method shifts all the time. And here we have a man who's willing to cast aside his identity. Probably every possession that he had was contained within his clothing at some point. Threw it aside. Exposed himself in a lot of ways to everybody around them. Just, I've got to get to Jesus. How desperate are you for Jesus? What is the sacred cow? What is the thing that you won't throw aside? What is the stuff that you won't cast off? What are the things that you won't let go of to get to Jesus? Because until you let go of them, there's nothing happening. Here's part B of that. What happens if God doesn't come through? He's blind. How's he going to find his coat? It's funny, but you think about it. Everything I've known is now on the floor in the dust behind me. And if God doesn't come through, I'm completely stuffed. There is absolutely no plan B. None. A reckless abandon to the purpose of God. To literally say, I'm throwing everything I've known, my source of income, my identity, everything I'm throwing off behind me, I'm leaving it in the dust. And I'm walking to Jesus. I'm stepping into darkness where I don't know where I'm going. I'm trying to follow the sound of His voice to try and get to Him. There's people everywhere. There's a crowd pressing around Jesus. And by the time I get to Jesus, my coat's going to be over there somewhere in the dirt. There's no way for me to get back to where I came from. That's the kind of reckless abandon that gets vision happening in your life where you're willing to say, God, there's no plan B for me here. I can't go back to who I was. I left it in the dirt. You have to come through for me, Jesus. I'm ruined if you don't come through. You want to get a vision for your life? Get ruined. Reckless abandon. Cast it all aside. Identity, security, insecurity. Whatever it looks like, leave it in the dust. Jesus, if you don't come through, i got nothing. I don't know what the time is, but I'm nearly done.
nothing. <laughs> I love this. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, came to Jesus. And Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? Well, I'd like a Ferrari, actually. What do you think? I'm blind. Jesus asked the most obvious questions in the world. I'd like to fly. <laughs> I, I, that's why I wasn't around then. <laughs> I would have missed out because I was being a smarty pants, for sure. <laughs> no, no joke. Tony, you would have been in trouble too. <laughs> what do you want me to do for you? I feel like, uh, as I was praying and, and seeking God on, uh, and preparing this message, I really felt like that was almost like uh, Jesus giving you a last option out. Because there's something about vision, right? When you can see, there's responsibility attached to that. <laughs> It's almost like Jesus saying, are you sure this is what you want? Because you see, if you get vision, you can't beg anymore because you're not blind Bartimaeus. Which means you now have to go and get a job. Which means you now have to support your family. Which means you have to make certain decisions moving forward from this moment that require hard work, dedication and process on your behalf. It's not just about the moment, it's about what follows the moment. And so it's all well and good to respond to all the calls in church saying, Jesus, give me vision. And he does. And then it looks like hard work. Or I'd rather just go back to being, you know, some people actually just prefer the dark. And it's almost like Jesus is giving him, are you sure? Are you sure this is what you want? Because if I give you vision, it doesn't stop there. That's a start point, not an end point. If I give you vision, then you've got to do something with that. It's going to mean hard work, process, dedication, responsibility. Vision sounds all warm and fuzzy until you start talking about that stuff. Oh, God, I want a vision. You want me to what? But I might actually break a sweat doing that. Yeah. That's going to cost me money. Yeah. Vision is frustration. Vision is pain. Vision is push. Vision is stretch. Let's have, let's have Stretch Sunday instead of Vision Sunday. Watch how many people rock up then. <laughs> okay, we're going to have Stress Sunday in the life of the church. <laughs> I'm going to just introduce some more stress to your life. I'm staying home that Sunday. <laughs> so Vision is like a marketing campaign for pain. <laughs> Come and get on board with the Vision. It's going to hurt you. But I'm not going to tell that to after. <laughs> Come on, it's going to be great Vision. Everyone's like, oh, Vision. Now let's give some money. What? Yeah, Vision money, you know. They're related. Vision is a stretch. Vision is those difficult conversations that you don't want to have. Where Benno sits me down and goes, bud, this is not going to work. Oh, crap. Now I've got to fix that issue. That's vision. He has a vision for my life. He wants to take me forward. There will be pain involved. Possibly physical. He's a big unit. My wife says to me, there's not many people that you can stand beside that make you look small, but Benno is that person. <clears throat> there's a stretch. There's a pull that comes with vision. Uh, I, I'm just going to digress from my notes a little bit. You know what? Um, just a bonus point here. There's a difference between peace lovers and peacemakers. Some people love peace. So much so they won't say what needs to be said because they don't want to rock the boat and don't want to disturb the peace. But there are people who have a vision to make peace. 
And sometimes the way you make peace is by working through conflict. But that's because of a vision that says, I refuse to be a peace lover, but I choose to be a peacemaker. Somebody who actually helps to make, helps in the process of designing and maintaining an atmosphere of peace that is actually founded on truth rather than mutual agreement to just ignore the issues. Bonus points. Yeah. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus said. I, if I'm honest, when I was preparing this message, this bit right here was my favorite bit, right? So a couple of verses earlier, Bartimaeus is sitting beside the side of the road and he calls out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, Jesus, son of David is like a historical term that we give to this mythical figure, this person that we've heard about. But now we're down here and this person has positioned themselves with passion beside the roadside. They've cast aside identity. They've stepped out in risk. They've overcome adversity. And the language changes. And all of a sudden, he's not Jesus, son of David. He's my rabbi. If you want a vision, it's got to get personal. It can't stay out there as Jesus from Victory Church. It's got to be my Jesus. It's got to be my teacher. It's got to be my saviour, my Lord. It's, it's got to get close to home. It can't stay out there in the cloud. It's got to be more than that. It's, it's got to be more than just, I know about your reputation. It's got to be, I know you. It's got to be more than just, I've heard about this Jesus, son of David. It's got to get to a my rabbi moment. And, and there's so much in that rabbi. The, the word rabbi is, is teacher, which speaks of submission, openness to learn, willingness to get in there, acknowledgement that there, there is something that you have to teach me and to give me. And now you've moved from just being a, a mythical figure that my grandfather told me about that I, I've kind of heard about in church from week to week. And now it's down on a personal level. And I'm saying, God, what do you have for me? What do I need to learn? What are you going to do in me? What are you going to shape and change and challenge in me? My rabbi, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go for your faith has healed you. Instantly, the man could see. Full stop, no, comma. No, full stop, comma. And he followed Jesus down the road. There's a responsibility that comes when you get a God-given vision. And it's not even to make your vision happen. It's to follow Jesus down the road. Because here's one thing I've learned after all my time in church. If there's one thing, it's this one thing. My destiny lies just behind him. And the closer I follow him, the faster I get to it. I'm not focused on my destiny. I'm focused on my Jesus. And knowing that in the follow, I'll find my destiny. Or not. Don't really care. Because I'm not in love with destiny. I'm in love with Jesus. He's my portion. He's where it's at for me. He's the end game. I've often said... If Jesus is all that you want, when he's all of, that you've got, it's enough. When he's it, when there is no end game, I want Jesus because he's going to give me this. I just want Jesus because I want Jesus. That's my vision. I, I just want to see Jesus. 
That's why I want vision. I don't want vision to see all the things that I could do for him as much as that will happen. I want vision so I can see him. Because I've never met a person who's seen Jesus who hasn't had their life totally revolutionized and turned upside down. Never, ever, ever. Doesn't happen. And I know that in me seeing Jesus, all the labels fall away. And I can just follow Jesus down the road as no longer blind Chris. Just Chris. No longer broken Chris. Just Chris. No longer Chris with all the issues. Just Chris. As the labels fall away, as I take risks, position myself, humble myself and cast off the things that I hold on to so dearly and follow Jesus down the road. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 